0: Three words. song is finished.
1: Uh, <laughs> have you seen this a lot, Connor, or have you seen it in your own scent items in your
0: WhatsApp? <laughs> this is Tim Sherwood. The Villa Podcast win ratio is second to none. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left. Back in 2019, when Jack Grealish was ripping up the championship... <laughs> I was just going to say I should be fined for bringing up Jack Grealish at this stage. I'm over it. I, I don't need this man in my life anymore. Um, I feel like this Thursday show was just a way of talking about Jack Grealish now. In a, <laughs> in a way that's not a, a, a Aston Villa way to pretend like we're over it. But anyway, back in 2019, when Jack Grealish was ripping it up for Aston Villa, but only in the championship, Gareth Southgate, Daniel manager, came out. Wasn't that impressed, he said he can see the quality, but when the evidence of the opponent is a different level, i.e. the championship, that's where it's hard to directly correlate what that's going to look like at a level above. With Callum, Hudson-Odoi he means, he's playing Europa League, he's playing Premier League, that makes a difference. And then somebody pointed out, but Gareth, what about Mason Mount, you seem to have no problem picking him for a worse derby team. I'm not going to say we won't pick a player from the championship because that could happen. But it's far more difficult to assess the level. Then when Jack Grealish stepped up and started ripping up the Premier League like we all said that he would Gareth Southgate came out he said he's a very good player. I've watched him closely. He played very well against Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> the, the reality is that he plays on the left and he's up against Sterling, Rashford, Sancho and Callum. Hudson odoi I know we can play in other places as well but Aston Villa will play him on the left in the last 6 or 7 weeks the competition in that area is really high level they're all good players now Jack Grealish is no longer ripping up the Premier League or even ripping up the Championship he is now an automatic inclusion in the England squad and it's just that we could probably hammer this point until the Clouges come home, and they've probably long since come home, but it's a real frustration that's never going to go away, that you move to a team that's competing in top four regularly, you are automatically whipped into the squad, like, Jack Grealish couldn't be playing worse, like, worse than he has played over the last six years, um, and what he's doing with Man City now, but even though he doesn't do much for them, even though, what, did he get two assists last season, two goals, he's got a goal this season that's happened from Kevin De Bruyne, like that—that's him back on the comeback trail now because he stuck his leg out for a perfect cross, and now he's just included in England squad as like you know as surely as night follows day. Jack Grealish, because he plays for Man City, no matter what he does now, will be in England squad.
1: Well, yeah, and this is this is one of the the two reasons we were annoyed at Grealish being overlooked for a few years, a few years back, but only. Like not like not only did he deserve to be in because he was lethal, but he was being overlooked by people like the modern day Jack Reedish yeah. people. People who are getting handfuls of minutes for the right clubs and doing nothing with those minutes. I mean, there's probably a third reason as well for our annoyance: the underpinning inferiority complex that comes with supporting a shit team. But <laughs> the, the, the the worst thing about uh, Callum Hudson die that is is that. <laughs> He was, saying, he was saying, you know, Grealish needs to prove himself in the Premier League. Callum Hudson, although never had to prove himself in the Premier League. <laughs> he came on as a sub twice and was in the England team.
0: Yeah, and he definitely hasn't gotten himself to a level where we can just say Callum and we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> um, it's not just Grealish that's an automatic anymore. Um, happy for him, he is still a nice lad. That's, 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 I think that's something that everybody has to wrestle with every time he comes out and does an interview and he's too honest in these interviews as well by the way and, and and also probably jumping the gun a little bit as well like i say he stuck his leg out and the ball went in from two yards out and now it's like well, we can talk about how i was in a bad run it's like yeah, let's, let's just do a bit more to sticking your leg out right here <laughs> um but he does he's very self-reflective he you know he, he's very happy to slag himself and talk about the criticism he's very aware of of what, what goes on around him, and it is disarming, I think people do warm to him when they, when they do hear him talk, but it's not just Grealish, it's Maguire and Shaw, Chilwell, like these boys like it's, it's not only that they're not playing for their clubs anymore, they're actually, they're not getting back into the club teams before the <laughs> World Cup, which is coming up pretty soon, in November, now England have two games now, the first of which is on Sunday? Friday, sorry, they're playing Italy on Friday and then Germany on Monday, and, and these games are important like they're nation's league matches but they're playing against teams at their level that they need to compete against to win a world cup and they're going there with a lot of these players now who they're going to have to be automatic choices at this stage if they're bringing them into the squad at this stage and Maguire's not getting in ahead of varan and ahead of martinez and ahead of lindelof and shaw's not getting in either and Chilwell's not getting in he's just signed a new left back and um I, I, I sort of feel like this couldn't be worse for Gareth Southgate. The timing of the form of these players, or like you know, how much minutes they're going to get now, but also in terms of just him wrapping himself up in these contradictions that he's going to have to wrestle with. Yeah, but Conan, I think you're you're thinking too deeply about this. He's got
1: fucking twenty five defenders in his squad. I mean, those guys are never going to play for him anyway. <laughs> like South Southgate has justified having four right backs before by saying. One of them can play left-back and two can play in a back-three. So so why has he still picked two left-backs, yeah. five centre-backs and Harry Maguire? <laughs> like, and we know he's going to play Walker in his back-three. So he's got five centre-backs and Harry Maguire for two positions. It's yeah. mad stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, just to put all that in context, they've got 12 defenders and 13 midfielders and attackers. So you've got 15 <laughs> defenders and keepers. And twelve and thirteen midfielders and attackers like Gareth Southgate. It's beyond the joke now to say like I do feel like he's the sort of person that would interrupt intercourse to look at highlights of a defender is positioning and and, and uh, if, it's, if it's Harry Maguire, just like a lack of positioning as well. But it's like he brought in Jordan Henderson because Calvin Phillips got injured. But it's weird. Uh, the like, the thing that I'm looking at with like, Grealish and I'm talking about Maguire and Shaw and Chilwell as well. It's weird that these boys are getting in, no matter what happens. When the like of Tyro Mings, for example, and some people who aren't Aston Villa fans might scoff at that, but Tyro Mings, like we said, has actually never been in better form going back from the end of last season to the start of this season. Uh, Jordan Henderson gets cut for a loss of form, but there are players who keeps getting in. Like Connor Cody must be the soundest person on earth. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing? Like he, he genuinely must just be a really nice lad that he just. He's flying under the radar of all the... And they're making room for these extra defenders. That includes Connor Cody.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the first time Mings has, has stitched together 15 games, avoid a mistake, if we exclude the the crime of repeatedly kicking the ball out of play for some reason. <laughs> you know, imagine a judge a judge releasing someone. I would sentence you for possession of firearms, but you haven't killed anyone, so be on your way, you scamp. <laughs> anyway, Mings, Mings hasn't... Hasn't killed anyone the last fifteen games. It's his, it's his best run of form, and he's dropped. It's absolutely, it's absolutely inexplicable, especially because he was in there when he wasn't playing particularly well, and the players that have come in subsequently aren't better than their own means.
0: Yeah, like I'm looking through the squad there, and I'm, I'm trying to think like who are the who should be most hard done by, like you know, who's excluded that, that shouldn't be excluded. I think Bam White probably jumps out, and it's strange if uh, the. Gives Jeez. you cover at
1: right-back as well, Tom. <laughs> exactly.
0: The, the reason seems to be that he's playing right-back and not centre-back. And I thought, well, that's exactly why you should be getting in the squad. <laughs> if you play right-back, you get in. Like, Matt Cash had to declare for another team to get away from the Gareth Southgate right-back fetish. But Jaden Sancho, I think this is, the, we're talking about Tyrone Mings. Seems to be the one time now that he's actually stringing together a lot of majors anyway. And <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're scoffing.
1: Sancho has been brutal for a year now but he, but he because he's shown composure twice in the Premier League <laughs> and, and scored a goal against the Moldovan champions and let's be honest a good goal well, yeah but let's be honest once he pays his Europa League tax on that one he just about breaks even <laughs> but there's, there's a clamour now for him to get back in it's mad he rightly lost his place and he hasn't done enough to get back in He's only scored against Cosimo in fucking Ireland when he's played for England as well. He's, he's had a huge loss in the minute. Let's see. Let's see where he goes.
0: Well, this like it does. It brings it, it to a good question because uh, the the other main guy hard done by. I think not. Not even that he's hard done by, but I just think England could do with him. Is Ollie Watkins again? Some people might think yeah, but like just for what he offers and and the. Uh, the point of difference that it can bring you and yeah, the way he can help you play in, in different scenarios. But, but because of the fact that I'm saying him is making me wonder, like, are England that good? I think I think they are, but I'm starting to sort of pump the brakes a little bit and wonder, am I just too guilty because I've got a, a smattering of, of nice attacking players? Am I too guilty yeah. of just assuming that they are one of the best in the world? But I look around and I don't think they're far off the best in the world. If Belgium are one of the best teams and ranked number one for a long time, I think England are as good as them. But then you look at the defenders, the school of thought is that Gareth Southgate plays the way he does with seven defenders because he's, he's, he's worried about them. Um, yeah. He's probably worried about Jordan Pickford as well. Ward Price is like a very, very good shout of starting for England. Is he really going to set the world alight for anybody at this level? I don't know. I'm starting to sort of roll back a bit on the idea that they're automatically top three, four teams.
1: Yeah, I actually actually think I was blinded a bit by the quality of players and also the lack of respect I have for international football. Uh, when you go when you go through it, you know, Alexander Arnold, Walker, Reese James, Trippier, Rice, Spellingham, Kane, Mount, Grealish, Sterling, Saka, even Sancho, Foden, Rashford, you know, that's that's fourteen or fifteen top players. But it's also four right backs, and it's seven players going for the two positions beside Kane. <laughs> so so their team is really no keeper, a right back with three brilliant backups, no centre halves, no left back. Rice, who was the most overrated player in Europe. Bellingham, who won't start for them. Two, two brilliant wingers <laughs> with five brilliant backups. None of them in any sort of form at the minute, really. And then Harry Kane. But Conan, <laughs> International football is shite. Like, you know, Italy won the Euros with a, a goalkeeper and two centre-halves. And a left-back playing the only four good games of his career. And then Verratti came in for the later stages. <laughs> Bra- Brazil are the favourites for the World Cup. Brazil! Douglas Louise who can't get in the Aston Villa team Phil Coutinho who shouldn't be in the Aston Villa team and Casemiro who can't dislodge McTominay are knocking around their squads for fuck's sake they have loads of forwards as well but so do England but Conan, what <laughs> what do those teams have that England don't fucking centre halves that's that's the big big issue and you'd, you'd also expect France to be on it but they've got something that England do have as well, a shite manager
0: yeah, yeah, like and that's it. Like, at least probably, it's definitely the perfect example. It's when you have the quality and I suppose a bit of the depth as well that, that that England have in a large number of positions. You you have enough to go and be competitive and try and win these championships. And in fairness, they are competitive, but and they are ready to take that next step. If Italy can do it, if we're all waiting for Belgium to do it, like they have enough players to go do it, like international football. Isn't as high a level as as the Premier League, for example, and I just do think that they have they have enough. And like, like you're saying, there the two positions outside Kane, but that's because of the the formation and the setup that Gareth Southgate wants to bring. I think another manager will look. We're going to have loads of time to get into this uh, throughout, the, <laughs> throughout the World Cup. but I think another manager would maybe create another position there to show off, you know, where their strengths are, and maybe not leave their leave their defense too exposed.
1: Well, it's, it's still a class. What type of person are you? Do you want to do you want to go with your strengths and maximize those or do you want to try and cover for your weaknesses? Yeah.
0: Anyway, that brings us all nicely to the what's worse, what's better segment, and we'll see there. All right, let's go. What's worse, what's better? Irish people celebrating Nathan Collins' Sunday League challenge on Jack Grealish. There's Jack Grealish <laughs> again. I <laughs> should be getting fined for every mention of him. Or Gabriel waiting a full season to get revenge on Brentford and tweet the same thing that Ivan Tony did. <laughs> Ivan Tony had a brilliant response to this. He was asked about it, actually, um, about Gabriel using Ivan Tony's tweet when he, Brentford beat Arsenal in the first game of last season. And he tweeted saying, nice kick about with the lads. Gabriel does it this. They've already played them in between and, and they finally beat them 3-0 at Brentford this time. Gabriel threw it back in his face. Ivan Tony said... I thought the first time was funny enough. Second time was a bit cringy. It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect way of putting it. Like,
1: get over it, lads. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it was kind of funny when Lacazette waited six months to, to tweet it. <laughs> yeah. To say it again is fucking, it's pathetic, really. Cringy is probably a good word that I have used there. Like we, we all have colleagues and friends that just don't get jokes and they rip the arse out of them because they, they can't think of anything funny to say, so they just say the same thing. And when the joke is funny and is layered or has different angles to it or is a well-rounded joke, you might get away with it, but when you're when you're ripping the arse out of an anorexic joke, you're literally just grabbing at shit because
0: there's nothing else there. It's pathetic. <laughs> Speaking and of which, I was out... Um... Yeah, I'm out on holidays, and I feel like every time I, I mention that I'm on holidays, I'm, I'm leaving myself open to the Villa podcast listeners to be abused for for going away. Like, you know, Cattle sent us a tweet saying how many times has Conan have gone on holidays since the Villa podcast started. This is the first one this season. Um, it's a long enough one, in fairness, but I was out for dinner there, and uh, the waiter <coughs> found, found out found out my partner was vegetarian, and uh, he thought this was, like, the funniest joke then of all time for the rest of the meal. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> Keep coming over, going, oh, is that make sure that's vegetarian. Oh, like give her your dish. We we'll went through. Yeah, the do desserts. make sure it's vegetarian. Yeah, went through the desserts with her. Oh, that's vegetarian. That's vegetarian. That's vegetarian. like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, this wasn't funny initially. You know, we were all being pleasant here, but like, you know, okay, stop, <laughs> stop.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, to answer kehel's question, I don't think we have the the data on extent behind us to be able to figure out how long you've been on holiday so just start with
0: this <laughs> what about nathan collins the challenge on jack greenish was obviously a horror one and i think well he did apologize afterwards he looked he looked shaken at the time i don't know if he's protesting his innocence a bit too much there was a video going around from the FAI's uh instagram account of james mclean slagging him when the teams got together and initially i was like oh this better not be mclean calling him a legend which a lot of Irish fans were doing, like, oh yeah, like some somebody made a postage stump of Nathan Collins kicking Jack. He gets sent off. It was a terrible tackle. And uh, McLean was actually doing the impression of Nathan Collins protesting his innocence and then saying, "Get off the pitch! What he doing?" Um, <laughs> and yeah, that that was a better way of looking at it, in my opinion.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, what what would you say if if you take out if you take out Liverpool, Man United, and Arsenal fans, and we're rounding to the nearest thousand, there are probably no other club supported in ireland and <laughs> those people all support ireland as well so when jack gucci who plays for man city and switched from ireland to england gets minced and didn't get hurt as well which is also important yeah. i can see why an irish liverpool fan might get excited on twitter yeah. and it was also just absolutely fucking hilarious what in the name of god is collins playing at? What was he thought was going through his head? What was he trying to do there? It's fucking hilarious. He need like he needs to be asked that over during this camp. If no Irish journalists asked them that, they should all be fucking sacked. <laughs> you know I'd be in favour of that anyway, can <laughs> What's
0: what's worse, what's better? Pep Guardiola pretending again that he isn't rattled by a referee. He gets a yellow card, gives him a big massive hug. Or Jason Tyndall.
1: You're once again paying me too much credit and assuming I know who Jason Tindall is, but <laughs> but thank you, or may, maybe you're paying Jason Tindall too much credit and assuming I know who he is. Well, do
0: you know but, what? Actually, yeah, uh, this is actually annoying because Jason Tindall would love this that I've just. I'll <laughs> be calling him Jason at the end of this, like Gareth calling, uh, like Gareth, like Gareth Southgate calling, Callum, Callum, um, Jason Tindall is the Newcastle United assistant manager, one of two assistant managers. And it's time to talk about him, to be honest. Like the reason I've got a specific thing of Pep Guardiola's there, like, you know, protesting of referee after they've won another game, getting the other card, realizing the cameras are all on him, hugging him, pretending like he doesn't give a fuck. I don't know what he was crying about after the match. Um, it just reminded me of that time him and Dean Smith were going at it, and Dean Smith was mm. pointing out what a punker he was being. And they tried to give him a high five in the middle of this argument. And that's just not some normal people do. But for Jason Tyndall, I don't feel like I needed a specific thing that he's done recently because he's just coming on the radar far too much. He loves the cameras. He's the assistant manager, remember this? He <laughs> loves the other team's Douglas. He seems to spend half the time just rolling and shouting over at them. And not even in a shithousery sort of way, just in an annoying way. He's too tall, he's getting, he's, he's too noticeable he was the one that instigated that, that whole Liverpool and Newcastle back and forward. There's a thing in the Eusebio Cup beforehand that the Newcastle fans, like before the season started, the Newcastle fans were lauding him for because he was getting a bit of argy-bargy going on the sidelines as well. He's doing interviews alongside Eddie Howe. And, and like every time I read a report now it's Eddie Howe, Jason Tyndall, and the rest of the staff. Every time I read a tweet, it's Eddie Howe, Jason Tyndall, and the rest of the staff. It's like, who does this boy think you need taking down a peg or two? And to be honest, I think it's time to talk about him. Yeah, well,
1: he does sound like an absolute twat, right? So I'll, I will keep an eye on him and report back. But this is this sounds like it's <laughs> this sounds like it's more of this uh, assistant manager eulogising again. This is this is the route we're going down now. We're like we. have We've we figured out football too much. Everybody who watches football knows too much about it, and now we're looking for the next thing, the next trendy thing to be in for, into. And it's not Jason Tindall. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's assistant managers. <laughs> Pep Guardiola, though, like we, we can all see what's going on now, though, can't we? Like you know, he's getting he's getting hot under the collar, and he's munching he's munching on some ice cream and a big bowl of fucking jelly. I mean, he's he's freaking out that after insisting on two 60 million pound players in every position. And this was his decision, his insistence. But after getting them, people are starting to talk about those players and one in particular. And the one the one that could actually end up leading them to the Champions League. And the one player who epitomizes everything about the sport that Pep Guardiola doesn't like. It almost <laughs> makes me want them to win the Champions League. <laughs> and I, I've seen City play four times this season and twice after they've scored. Pep Guardiola has grabbed the player and pretended like he wanted to give them tactical instructions. I mean once once it was a fucking goal score, stop them celebrating because he's such a because he's such a perfectionist. And once it was a centre half after Man City went 3-0 up, and your pals are fucking all falling for it. Oh, look at that, what a pro. I mean the the best case scenario is here, he's just a joyless control freak. And one that doesn't even understand a scoring, a goal, is the objective of the sport and something to be celebrated. The actual scenario is that he's an egomaniac, but also on a proven, approval-seeking loser, dancing in front of the fucking cameras. You're a good manager, Pip. Manage your team. Yeah. For example, manage them to a 3-0 win and sit the fuck down.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, d- I didn't like that in 2005 when Liverpool won the Champions League and Benitez was... Pulling CC aside, during, like during the celebrations, after they've won the Champions League, the season's over, and he's trying to talk him through some tactical instruction that he wants for the next time out. Next time it's May. Next time out is August. Like you just leave it till tomorrow, at the very yeah. least. Uh, you know, I get that he, he wants to help improve these players, and he's always thinking about the next game. But like, there's a time and a place, and it's definitely not at full time of the Champions League final that you've just won.
1: Yeah, leave it and just leave it in general because you know nothing's gonna go into his head.
0: (laughs) All right, we'll leave it there. We'll come back with some awards.
1: All these, right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Greenish FC. Get a fucking (laughs) grip.
0: Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak we've just gotten the news it's devastating we're upset somebody reported me to the villa podcast on twitter
1: <laughs> Did these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying come on get over it it's the Doherty family not the great auntie margaret family it's time to find out what uncle jimmy's really made of <laughs> time for auntie barbara to step up <laughs> fucking psychopaths let me mourn i'll rally around the Doherty family I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the
0: same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmannen. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi er skidetræt af alle podcaster de podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulige ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. In let's start with the I've got the receipts award this is a very very premature cash in from me but but there's a lot of um, lot of talk out there with just Mason Jason Tindall. let's circle back to Newcastle United again And I want to talk about Eddie Howe and the narrative that's out there right now about the young English manager. Who's been the young English manager for the last 15 15 years? 16 years? 17? 2005 I saw a clip of him. Um, We'll start with The Athletic. Alan Shearer does a sit-down interview with Eddie Howe. just going to read out a bit from that. We are on the Gateshead side of the river gazing through a hotel window at the thick black water below across the span of the Tyne Bridge towards Newcastle and the place called home. Eddie Howe has been talking about the city's ferocity about tumbling head over heels with the gorgeous madness of it about being able to see St. James's Park from here from his new house from everywhere (laughs) from everywhere and then he says something that makes my breath catch I'm not here to just exist. This is Alan Shearson. And it makes you wonder all over again just how Newcastle United came to be that zombie football club ticking through the seasons, cold and stripped back, existing but scarcely trying, where supporters tramped in on their sufferance and then grumbled at the owner, at the manager, and sometimes both, everybody split into angry clicks when it could have been something like this. Seething, vibrant, together, alive and full of yearning. <laughs> that's the Athletic. That's Alan Shearer, the Premier League record goal scorer. Let's move on to Stephen Warnock.
1: Sorry, that's Alan Shearer being ghostwritten by somebody in the Athletic. <laughs>
0: <on>. <laughs> Stephen Warnock. Eddie Howe has done an incredible job. Bruno Goumeras. Eddie Howe has turned water into wine. <laughs> Richard Keys. Top marks Eddie Howe. Black suit and tie for the minute silence, that quick change class. I mean, like, you know, I'm saying I'm cashing in these receipts early. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not going to start printing new, new check ins now to say that Eddie Howe not going to make it. But Eddie Howe has won one game this season, and that was at Nottingham Forest, like, or sorry, at home to Nottingham Forest. Everybody's beaten Nottingham Forest, they're terrible. They've not won the last six games. And he's done this off the backdrop that we've already mentioned before when we're talking about Saudi Arabia. He's done it with ten first first-team signings in the last two windows. And he was even allowed to sign Loris Carries. And somewhere along the way, Eddie Howe is immune from any criticism. Not only that, look at the stuff that Alan Shearer is talking about. It's like Newcastle, seething, vibrant, together, alive, full of yearning. Let's get a couple of wins under your belt, Eddie, before we start... Putting together like, I feel like that Alan's here sit down with Eddie Howe, the man, like, as if it was Alex Ferguson presiding over an empire that he's just built. This is a boy months in to trying to get something off the ground. And yeah, he got he, he did get something off the ground at the back end of last season when everybody else stopped playing football and Newcastle got a bit of momentum, good management, and great transfer budget. And he did well at the back end of last season, but but now he's got his first full season, he's got one win in seven. And if we were flashing up these win percentages like we love to do. Like, what's one out of seven as a percentage this season? It's worse than Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. That's what it is. And we're getting long-form pieces. We're getting, you know, we're getting told that he's turning water into wine. We're getting told he's done an incredible job. We're getting told that he looks good in the suit because it's a minute silence for the queen. I mean, like, where do you want to start? Probably the suit. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you don't you don't need to return this yet, Conan? Those those receipts are good for at least another six months. I mean, (laughs) you're you're saying you're cashing in early by going after him after seven games, but you've been all in and high out after they drew a fucking Brighton in game week two. If we're being honest, (laughs) Saudi Arabia were dreadful when he took over. I mean, if if you think assassinating journalists is bad, Steve Bruce's reign was a lot more brutal than that. I don't think they had won that season. And he has definitely improved him. As an example, I think we got, we got Jared in at the same time. And I think we had six points, a six-points head start. And Saudi Arabia finished four or five points ahead of us. With a much worse team. And importantly, Hoy has improved him stylistically as well. I mean, he hasn't playing a much more enjoyable brand of football. And remember, what was the intent behind buying the club, Conan? Sport washing, get a young-ish English progressive manager, and it was perfect, and it has worked. They're all falling over themselves to praise him. Like you've gone through it, there. Sheer Warnock, Keys, the inventor of the
0: podcast. They've all they've all fallen for it. Job done so far. Yeah, Jay Humphries is the biggest mouthpiece of it all. I, I, I think I think the the Man City. One is it really got me back up this season when they drew at home to Man City or something as well, which Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa have done. Um, the party atmosphere, not not just at Saint James Park, because I think that, that is you know tangible that a manager can create a good atmosphere at home. It won't last if they don't, just don't start winning matches against soon, But I, I mean, around the media, around the talk, you know, again, I talk about the narrative as well, like because they threw away a two goal lead. At home to Man City, and because they almost got a draw against Liverpool and didn't, they lost. There's this assumption that they've been going really well. Like they've just gone and, and drawn with Bournemouth. Like they just they just keep not winning matches. That's that's the reality for them at the minute. It might click in the year, but it might not. And like yeah. I say, I've got the receipts.
1: Yeah, but like the like the City game, it was it was a three all thriller, and it was a big local derby as well. You know, it was you know a big rivalry there between. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the oil classic uh, let's go to the Con and Doherty I'm getting Delph with the back of my shirt worst twitter shout of the week there's a lot of people asking for suggestions now out there on their twitter accounts for league cup and FA cup reform after uh, it was announced that a review is going to get underway I don't know basically they bring back the magic of the cups Um, I so, saw so one tweet I think it was under a, a Liverpool uh, twitter account just asking for suggestions and somebody said would change one of them to allow teams from Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales to enter. Jesus <laughs> How is that, that gonna make any difference to the League Cup and the FA Cup? I mean Northern Ireland. The, <laughs> there there was literally a thirteen year old playing for Glen Avon the other day. Like that that happened. A thirteen year old uh, boy was put on for, for Glenavon of Northern Ireland of the IFA. The I don't I don't see assist. Yeah, exactly. First touch, I think you got an assist. Um, I don't see Northern Ireland teams or Welsh teams, even Celtic Rangers, really affecting the League Cup and the FA Cup, which is generally won by the best teams anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we need. More shit teams into a competition nobody cares about. (laughs) Like a UK Cup, what better time to unify the nation at this time? Uh, I (laughs) would... Get get rid of one of them and call the remaining one the FA Cup because that's important for some reason. But run it off at the time of the League Cup is on and just yeah. have a big set piece final on Christmas Eve. And like we oh. we've we've talked about this before. It's important that the FA Cup is in addition to the league that it's played in midweek. So that's what I would do. I would just get rid of the League Cup, put the FA Cup on there Christmas Eve final. I'm not sure how this is how this is going to work with the revamped. Twenty twenty four Champions League with their thirty six team league where you only play ten of the teams, but you're ranked against everyone else. And then after ten games, only twelve teams are eliminated. Like at least, at least we have a format for the cups not to follow anyway. But it might get in the <laughs> way of the the midweek fixtures.
0: Yeah, as much as I like the Christmas Eve final, you're also not taking into account the the Boxing Day games, which just count. I believe. am. It's, it's, oh, a,
1: it's oh, a Christmas oh. period. it, just oh, make them play two days in a row.
0: So you're thinking a Northern Ireland team and a Welsh team will be in the final?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is the Christmas period. Not like that. Is, we always talk about the League Cup being better than the FA Cup for that very reason. Midweek games. The FA Cup's annoying because you have to stop the league to play the fucking FA Cup. Um, next one on the worst Twitter shout of the week. Just, I've seen this a lot, actually. Three words. Song is finished. Uh,
1: <laughs> have you seen this a lot, Conor, or have you seen it in your own sent items in your WhatsApp?
0: <laughs> well, I have to say, like I was boasting about my uh fantasy football performance. Uh, we can talk about it later, but um, the greatest use of a free hit of all time, bringing them in, like, I could just uh, absolutely blew it out of the water. I think I got eighty-five points, but. um and the part of me gloating was the fact that I even, right down to the very detail that I knew Son was getting ditched out of that Spurs squad or our Spurs team as well. I knew it was going to be Kuliseski and Richardson, So I dropped Kuliseski in and I got an assist for him. And then Son came on and scored three goals.
1: Yeah, it was it was magical, really. I mean, I, I looked at your message and then looked back at my wall and the next thing I saw was Son scoring an absolute <laughs> screamer. Sorry, my, my wall had a projector pointed at it, by the way. I wasn't on acid. And
0: every, I saw, I saw. <laughs>
1: everybody loves watching something magical happen on a football pitch, even when you have no skin in the game. And a fourteen-minute hat trick is is a remarkable thing to watch. But I did have skin in the game as well. I had you just after making an absolute titty yourself. So it was even more magical.
0: <laughs> yeah, might have been might have been better for the I've got the receipts award. Uh, <laughs> Cheekiest spin by my pals in the media of the week. This is an ongoing thing, really, but it's just starting to grind my gears a little bit now because Ronaldo's getting on. You know, he's older, he's lost his place in the United team. You know, time moves on. Don't know how much he'll accept that in the, in the grand scheme of life. It might be a, a tough few years for him ahead now, but there's a retrospective narrative that's sinking in there that Ronaldo has always made teams worse. um, And including Real Madrid... So not even just Juventus, which seems a bit unfair considering he was a top scorer in Syria and uh, banging in goals for, for UV there as well. Um people are going back to his Real Madrid days now and wondering how much better they would have been without Ronaldo. Uh I think this is crazy. I've I've heard Jonathan Wilson, uh, we're talking about my pals in the media, like, and their spin. I've heard Jonathan Wilson on a number of occasions now say that you know they they might have won more. If they hadn't just played Benzema. Like, you were just wondering how much they could have done if Benzema hadn't just played. They did play Benzema. They played <laughs> Benzema all that time, played him alongside Ronaldo. Like, what a forward line they had. And they had Ronaldo scoring more goals than anybody ever will, probably, you uh, know, apart from Haaland, obviously, um, in that eight year stretch and banging them in and playing really well and reinventing himself and being part of a unbelievable winning machine that brought them four Champions leagues under you know the time Ronaldo was there brought them two leagues um, Wilson used the two leagues in eight years as someone they hold against him as well I could don't know if there was another reason for that it might have been Barcelona where we're competing for leagues at that time as well and that a pretty decent Barcelona team but um and it's just it's just seeking and now you know the fact that he's lost his place in the United team and because United are looking better because they've got a team of just young hungry fast players that are running around working hard and then hitting teams on the break. There's a suggestion that Ronaldo was always holding everybody back.
1: I mean, yeah, it's absolutely pathetic. I mean, I think people watch Ronaldo now and assume he was the same player his whole career. I mean, He signed for Real Madrid 14 seasons ago. <laughs> you can remember he played for Real Madrid. Just remember how he played for Real Madrid. Yeah. He scored over 50 goals a season, six times playing off the left wing. Maybe one or two of them he started drifting. Why am I qualifying what position he was in when he was scoring 50 or 60 goals? One or two of them might have been up front. But I think his worst ever return was 30-odd goals in 30-odd games because he was injured at the start of the season. And when he arrived as well, he was was up against, you said, a, a Barcelona team. It was Pep Guardiola's Barcelona for two or three seasons, yeah. and then there was three or four years against the Messi, Suarez, Neymar team. Yeah. Two, two leagues and four Champions Leagues in that time. Like, they finished. By the way, they finished third the two years in a row after he left, and then Barcelona imploded and they started winning the league again.
0: Yeah, it's Okay, it's 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 mad and it's sad. Like I, I get that people have you know. Put their chips down, and they've suggested, like last season, maybe that Ronaldo was going to be a problem for United. And now it's it's nice for them that it, it might look like it's working out that way now that they look better without him under a new manager. But it doesn't mean you have to keep going back further, it. it doesn't mean you have to double down with those chips. And I think, yeah, and we don't need to keep qualifying because the number of goals he scored is ridiculous and they speak for themselves. And even with that volume, you're obviously going to have every type of goal. And if you just think about the goals that Ronaldo scored from every position, from every type of ball, from every type of volley, with every type of, you know, every bit of his foot, the stuff that he's been able to do over the years, it's like, it's crazy. And it's sad that he would take one of those players. Like, you know, maybe you do think Messi's better and that's absolutely fine, but it doesn't mean now that we have to pretend like Benzema would have been better than Ronaldo all those years.
1: Yeah, and sorry, the other thing on it as well is, that, yeah, they're not remembering what type of player Ronaldo, was. like Ronaldo has been four different types of players yeah. as well, but they're also thinking that the sport has always been the same, the sport, was, the sport has only been like this for the last five years. The, yeah. the, it's only been demanded that every player on the pitch runs their bollocks off for the last two or three years maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We'll keep an eye on it hero oh like i'm just going to bring in a hero of the week award here because i just feel like well, we've already talked about louis van gel but he probably just needs another shout out here like louis van gel he's going to the world cup and he doesn't give a fuck about what he says and who he offends and i'm saying i'm sure he's really pissing off everybody at fifa he's talked before about qatar and what a joke it is that the world cup's being held held there and the, uh, the fact that they're only doing it for money and it's obvious for everybody to see he' come out there or, uh, during the week and said, of course I'm supporting the compensation funds for victims of labour abuse and building the World Cup stadiums in Qatar. I think that must happen, especially when you consider the millions, I mean billions, that FIFA profits from these tournaments. If they are so smart to organise a World Cup, they must stand with all that comes after that decision to hold it in Qatar. Um, I don't know, just wanted to sort of doff my cap to Louis van again. Yeah, the, the, I think
1: the weirdest thing about this whole... Saga for the last ten years is that we all know why Qatar wanted the World Cup, sports washing and prestige. But you can't get stains out with blood, so you think they would have been looking after people a hell of a lot fucking better. And that's like that's really going to take the gloss off that prestige. And yeah, Louis van Gaal fair played him for standing up, but it should obviously be Qatar that's paying the compensation, not FIFA.
0: Yeah, yeah. Question we can't answer, but you want us to anyway. (laughs) Um. Got well we got a few in on Twitter, but I just wanted to do I thought there was just a good general one that we got from Jake. He said, What's more important in life? Sexy football or three points? <laughs>
1: well <laughs> Yeah. You see you no know, the, the best the best route to three points is playing sexy football. In its many different forms. All all shapes and sizes. I don't really have a type kind of. I could get behind <laughs> I don't mean doggy style, I could get behind how (laughs) Simeone has somehow had Atletico playing for the last 10 years, you know, really disciplined, but not aimlessly so. Disciplined in getting back, disciplined in when to press, and disciplined in actually playing football when they have it, and playing with intensity and, and an identity as well. And the same way that's that people with different levels of attractiveness might find people at a similar level attractive. It depends on what your team has as well. Like, you know, what what's it like up top and at the back? This this will dictate how you play, how sexy you can be. But we all we all have to make an effort to look our best as well, to be charming, to be our best. And if you think about if you think about the Ireland teams that we've grown up with watching, that was always the problem. They were always so intent and keeping it tight at the back they forgot to have a bit of crack or, or villa at the minute even like we you know we started drinking four hours before the party and stood in a mound of shit on the way over
0: like we have nothing going for us uh, the other example is a good one because uh, yeah it is obviously all about context because i think i had said something about the, the, the villa game after they beat southampton yeah and i was like oh what? yeah it's three points and we're happy but like where where's this going and i think with ireland it's a lot of stuff has been sacrificed just in pursuit of scoring like you know just in pursuit of of, of actually getting a win and for for the most part never actually got any so it's, so it's like you just abandon your mates every single time you go out just because all you care about is trying to pull somebody but you never pull them anyway so it's like well would you not have just been better having a bit of crack along the way? Because the same... there comes still the same. So Ireland... Ireland did that. Like, they just threw everything else away, just in, in relentless pursuit of trying to get the win, because that's all that mattered. But they didn't, never qualified, for the most part, in any of these tournaments. Like, Ireland generally don't qualify for tournaments. There's been three Euros and three World Cups in their entire history. So the idea that what they were doing made sense didn't really make sense, because... We weren't getting there anyway. Like, like you say, I do agree. Like, playing good football or having a clear identity, obviously, is good because that's that's what you should be doing to try and get results in the long run. That will help. But if you're not going to get results, then you might as well just have a bit of crack along the way. So, yeah, you can't you can't take the context out of this question. But um I think when you look at Aston Villa at the minute and you looked at Ireland over the last few years, it's like, well, we're going to be in the same position, so will we not just want to enjoy ourselves along the way. Yeah, but like you'll never progress as well if you
1: just play absolute dog shit football and try to try to, you know, shut down the opposition. You have to have you have to play football whenever you've got the football. And like I've always said, Ireland will beat Gibraltar playing football. They'll be competitive against Scotland playing football, and they'll lose to Germany playing football. Those were the results that they were getting anyway. Yeah. <laughs> whenever they fucking weren't playing football, so why not just
0: fucking pass the ball to a teammate? <laughs> <laughs> Last one. Uh, does Brendan Rogers really need compensation that badly? Like he's, he's the most one of the most um high paid managers in world football. Why? What's he doing? We all know where this is going. And obviously the Leicester board know where they wanted to go as well, but they also don't want to go that deep into their pockets to get rid of this man. And. It just seems like everybody'd be better off if they just parted ways, but obviously he's not going to go until he gets a pint of money. But does he need that money that badly? Is he cashing it now, thinking I might not get it this good ever again? Well, does does
1: Sewodanaprabha need the money? Like a billionaire because his dad old fags at the airport? He doesn't fucking need any cash either. Brendan Rogers should be taking the money. Brendan Rogers has done brilliantly at Leicester. Like two fifth place finishes. They're not the fifth best team in England. Hmm. And They've challenged for the Champions League during those two years as well. And like I always said, that's the that's what, all you can ask for for your team is to compete. If competing and failing and finishing fifth is way better than challenging for fifth and finishing there. Like they, fucking, they were so close to it. They had two seasons in a row of dreaming. And they also won the FA Cup in that time. Disappointing last year, but still finished eighth. And absolutely dreadful this year after a horrible summer. And he should probably have left in the summer of all the bad feeling that was swirling around, players looking to leave, nobody coming in. But he probably thought the impossible could become the possible.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm just shitting on him, because I do really respect the job he's done. Like That that audio bed that we created, it was genuine, where I'm t- talking about Brendan Rogers never going to have to be in the championship again. He never will have to be, because he's put himself on a far higher level than that, and succeeded above that as well, but yeah, he just like I think from the start of the season, even from the summer, from the end of last season, actually, uh he's been talking about. It sounds like he's not happy. It sounds like he knows what they need, and they're not going to get it because of the situation that they're in, and and it just seems like a really bad vibe around Leicester now, and it's the opposite of what it was, and and I do feel sorry on him because of the order of yeah those those fifth place finishes as well. They were somehow somehow deemed as failures because they dropped from the top four into fifth. But they're obviously not. And if they had just been fighting at fifth... Like like West Ham, like people assume that David Moyes, and he has, like they assume that that was really good seasons and, and the fact that they were so competitive for so long is really impressive. That was the exact same for Leicester. They just happened to drop out over the last game or two games in those two seasons and made it look worse. Absolutely. Anyway, that's it. Um, If we are looking forward for a Jason Tindall showdown with... Stephen Gerrard if Stephen Gerrard's still around on October 29th Aston Villa are going to <laughs> to Newcastle to play so we'll have to um wait until then for you to actually see this guy I can't believe he's not all over your radar but trust me he's going to be you keep an eye uh. on Jason Finder <laughs> and until then we'll enjoy the international games and we'll see you next Thursday I suppose all the best see you later
1: Acast anbefaler.
0: Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi er skidesræt alle de der podcast, og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulige ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til dopaminklubben, hver uge ud kommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminvagle.